to a special episode of Superman Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies 1978 Superman the Movie, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly. And joining me, as always, on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Chris, uh, wow, everybody. Um, <laughs> this is a big episode. We don't want to waste a lot of time getting to it, because if you're reading this in your phone or on the website, you know that our special guest is Richard Donner. The Richard Donner. Talk Richard to Donner. Us. Richard Donner. Talk to us about his movie, Inside Moves, the movie he made right after Superman. So it was an amazing experience. Uh, Chris and I just got off the phone with him. We're doing our intro here. We don't want to waste too much time getting to it. So, Chris, unless you have anything else you want to say, do you want to just get right to the interview? Let's get to it. Who wants to hear us? It's Richard Donner. (laughs) Exactly. Who who needs to hear us talking? So, okay, everybody, enjoy this talk with Richard Donner, and we will see you on the other side. Hey, America, the movie critics are feeling good again, and the reason is Inside Moves. The New York Daily News calls it worth cheering about. The Washington Star says it may well be the most heartfelt movie of the year, and Playboy calls Inside Moves original, winning, and exceptionally well-acted. Richard Donner's Inside Moves. It'll make you feel good again, and that ain't bad. Rated PG. Now playing at the Crest Westwood and in Orange County. Hi. Hi. Chris, we've already established we're not supposed to call him Mr. Don, and we're supposed to call him Dick. Okay. Hello, Dick. I'm Chris. Hey, Chris. Good to know you. Good to say you, sir. I don't know anything about you. I'm just saying, good to know you. Okay. <laughs> we know about well, you, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we certainly know about you. Uh, this is a, well, I mean, just get it. We're, this is a huge honor for us to talk to you. We are just mega, mega fans of yours, and uh, we're just very, very happy to talk to you. I admire your good taste. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start by just sort of getting into how I discovered the movie in the first place, is that I I worked at a a video store many years ago, and we had everything. It was like we had like every movie that was available, and we had one of those um, Leonard Maltin books. You know, I would look up my favorite directors. I would like, what movies haven't I seen of Stanley Kubrick, or what movies haven't I seen of of, uh, Orson Welles? And I'd look up Richard Donner. I'd think, okay, Superman, sure. The Omen, of course. Ladyhawk, seen those. And then I saw Inside Moves, and I was like, What's inside moves? I didn't know what that. Right after Superman, what's what's that? So we had it, and I rented it. I took it home one night, and I I just loved it, and I fell in love with it as by itself, just as I thought it was a great movie. But also how different it was from Superman. It was just like the the furthest thing you could do from Superman. And for so long, I was convinced that you kind of did it on purpose after Superman. Until I read an interview with you where I saw that this was already on your radar. Before Superman. Now, that's that's right, right? You, you knew about this. But you planned to make this before Superman. By far, yes. I, it, it, I forget how I came upon the script. I forget how I came upon it, but it was, I was in love with the script and um, was trying to get it made. I was developing it, and I got offered Superman, and I put it on the back burner. And when I came back from England, my agent at the time said that I think it was Robbie, Robert... Uh, who the hell ran Paramount? Robert Evans. Oh, Robert Evans, sure. I think it was Robert Evans who had seen the book and without my knowledge had, had developed a screenplay with Barry Levinson and, um, oh God, what's her name? Valerie Curtin. Valerie. And, um, but now it was up for grabs and would I like to read it? I said, oh, my God, of course. So I read it. It was close to everything I wanted and um, I jumped in. Happened to run into a couple of great guys who uh, had money and were looking to invest in films. And 
fellow, wonderful man, Mark Tans and Bob Goodwin. And uh, I got my movie made. It was my passion. It had nothing to do with um, following up with a small movie after Superman or anything. It was just that I, I was just so in love with the story. Uh, and uh, to this day, I am. And I love the film. And it was handled terribly in, in post for distribution and marketing. So all good things come to a bad end. I don't <laughs> I mean, it, it certainly did get some attention at the time, because, I mean, as you mentioned, I've seen an interview, Diana Scarwood managed to get an Oscar nomination out of it. That's Somebody noticed it. Rightly so, true. She was charming and wonderful and extraordinarily control of her emotions for a great role. I, I, I loved her. Yeah, it got, you know, but it didn't get out to the public. And that's, uh, that, they put us out Christmas uh, against so many big pictures that the theaters they got us were little tiny theaters that very people went to uh, to see the third and fourth run things it was just that well done broke my heart taught me a lesson which i experienced again on 16 blocks so you never learn your lesson you just function by heart (laughs) speaking of uh, speaking of 16 blocks of course uh, inside moves is the first movie of david morse uh who's in both how did you how did you discover him well let's see i was casting in new york he um he came in for the the for a role. I don't usually like to do a lot of reading of, of actors. I like to kind of spend some time with them and see who they are, what their personalities are, and if everything feels right, that's where you go. Anyway, he came in. I really felt right about him. He was a terrific guy and um, uh, very very um, controlled insides. And so anyway, I, I read him and I said, um, "What else have you been?" And he said, "Nothing." So uh, uh, I. I believe I just sent him out with a letter and to Screen Actors Guild to get him his card. Oh, I read him. I finally read him. Right. Uh, I may have even done a little screen test. I don't remember. And I sent him right right down to get a screen SAG card, and he was in the movie. Wow. Couldn't have been a better choice. Yeah, he was as new as can be. I mean, you got him his SAG card. So, but you had like a, a wonderful older cast in this movie too, like Burt Remsen and actors like that. So. What was that like having that that mix of like brand new and then the veteran actors on this set? Any stories that come to mind? Uh, you know, the only thing that comes to mind it's a line from the movie, and this is a long time ago, but I remember it. And it was John Savage goes to um, the bar, their hangout for uh, I think his first time out from the hospital, and uh, he sits with these four old codgers, and um, and they sit him down at the table, and they say, well, you know, join us for a card game. And, and they see he's got his leg in a brace, and he's pretty mangled up. And and they said, uh, and they all explained why they were there. They're, they're handicaps. And then they finally turned and said, well, you know, what happened to you? And he has this wonderful um, introverted reaction where he spits out that I attempted suicide. And there's this long, beautiful pause between these four aged handicapped characters and then it was uh, Bert I think turns to him and says you idiot first you get handicapped and then you try suicide <laughs> and and that was it I mean that uh, that sums up those characters their passion their I wish I had a better memory because I that movie can be quoted for so many things uh, you you we, I just watched it you quoted it verbatim so <laughs> Speaking of um, veterans, how the heck did you manage to get Harold Russell in the movie? I mean, he had not been in a movie since 
best years of our lives. And of course, he is tremendous in that movie, so natural and everything. And yet, it, you know, he hadn't been in a movie for for thirty five years. How did you how did you even think to to ask him to do it? Well, I remembered him from that movie and um, from Best Years of Our Lives, and he was. And is to this day the only actor who ever received two Academy Awards for the same role. Right. And uh, I couldn't think of anybody. You know, first of all, I had to have these implements on his hands. And uh, it was way before computer work. And it was, gosh, how are we going to hide these things? And I said, Jesus, there is a great actor. Let's, let's, let me kind of, so I called him. He had become um, a representative of the VA. And, um, and that was his life for all those years. And I got in touch with him and I said, would you consider going back to acting? He said, no, I did it. Uh, I, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm very happy what I'm doing. I said, would you at least consider reading it? And uh, he said, that I'll do. So I sent it to him uh, by Pony Express in those days. <laughs> and two days later, I get a call from him. And I said, yes, what do you think? He said, well, here's what I think. He said, in the script, you call the character, um, God, I forget. Was it Hooks? And I said, yes. He said, if you'll change that to, God, there's a, what's his nickname in the movie? Wings. He said, if you'll change it to that, I'll do the role. He said, I love the script. And that's how I got Harold Russell. And I think anybody that read that script fell in love with all the characters instantly. Was it a fun shoot? I imagine after the, the nightmare of logistics that Superman and Superman 2 was, that this must have been a lot easier. I mean, just one or two sets and it's just the same kind of three or maybe like four or five actors. Was it, a, was it like a, a fun shoot to do? Extraordinarily so. It was a great fun. They were, everybody in that picture was a great character and a great person, delightful senses of humor. It, it, it was one of the best shoots I've ever had in my life. Whose idea was the Superman pinball game? Who do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Not the original machine. That's one of the original. Wow. It's tucked, tucked away in my closet. No. Wow. wow. <laughs> uh. What was, um, did you, I mean, like the, the crew that you were working with on this one, as far as I can tell, was, you know, totally different than the crew you had on The Omen and Superman, like no Stuart Baird and stuff like that. Was that... Was that kind of like a, a budget thing and that certain people were more expensive so, or would you do that on purpose to kind of work with different sets of people? No. Um, Superman and Omen were shot in England and this was shot in the States. And uh, I had um, in my books the desire for a long time to work with Lazo Kovacs and Vilmo Zygmunt. And so when I got this picture, I, um, I jumped on the fact that I... <clears throat> I jumped on the opportunity that I could get Laszlo. <clears throat> I did it alphabetical order. Laszlo first, Filmo second. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask about, he was talking about John Savage's character, Rory, when he was, he was talking and telling them, uh, you know, what had happened to him. But I was so impressed with his movements in the film. He constantly, I mean, he, he had that down. He had a way, he had it figured out how the character would move after what he had his body had been through did did uh did you guys work on that together coming up with with how the character rory uh moved and and reacted and and such look at this is one of the better unsung great actors of our town uh he's a, an amazing actor and um he got into that role brilliantly uh, i'm sure he researched it the only discussions we would have is because he had when he walked in he started to do the character for me he was perfect and um, it was just maybe pull it back a little. It may be a little extreme, but that was it. John Savage, 
I'm guilty of not working with them since, but I've never really found the proper piece for them, or I would have it on tomorrow. I love them. Yeah, you were getting him right off the Deer Hunter. Uh, I mean, in the, the movie, it never, there's never any, it's never expressly stated why he tries to kill himself or the fact that he is maybe a Vietnam vet suffering from PTSD. But I mean, I can't help when I see him in this movie think that he's sort of continuing his character from the Deer Hunter. I mean, that's, that's just the connection I make in my head, even though I'm sure it's not intentional, but I, it just feels like that because of, of the age that he is. He seems like it would be a natural fit that that's what he's going through. You know, I never put that together. I never thought of that. He, the Deer Hunter was a, obviously a brilliant film. And John, I think, got nominated for an Academy Award for that film. Uh, yeah. But I never put the two together. He may very well have. It's something I never went into with him because what he was delivering was perfect. And I never asked him, as I don't ask any of my actors really, what, what's going on in their head and where is it coming from? Unless... It's a problem with the character at the moment, and then we go into it. But um, no, I never did. I never thought of it at the time. Total entity. Is that part of the, uh, how you approach things as a director? It's sort of like the let the actors do what the, you hired them to do, and then you know only get involved if they sort of come to you and say, "What? How do? What do I do here? I'm, I'm lost." Is that is that kind of your approach? Exactly. I mean, you know, I have an approach to that character in my mind, and. Um, when you start with an actor, he may come in with a totally different approach. And when you listen and watch, two things can happen. One is, well, that's not what I want, and I don't feel it's going to contribute to the other actors and to the progression in the screenplay. But if they come in with a right one that's so different from mine, and it's so good and it's so right, I'm the first just to keep my mouth shut and take advantage of um, their uh, their ability to create something that that I, I, I never thought of. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I really enjoyed the, uh, and this is something Chris pointed out to me too, because he's, again, he came to it uh, fairly new. I've, I've seen it a bunch of times. It was like, I love the narrative switch that the movie makes, is that you think that the movie's going to be sort of about Rory and his journey, uh, and then it switches, really, to Jerry. Jerry's the one that kind of goes through the transformation. I mean, Rory's transformation is more subtle. The minute he finds this group at Max's, like, he fits right in, and, you know, this, this is the group that he wants to be with. It's Jerry is the one who is sort of experiencing this change. He's got the the girlfriend uh, played by Amy Wright and the one throwing out on drugs that he can't seem to quite separate from. I mean, it's a really interesting idea. Is that in, do you remember, was that in the book or is that something in the, the, oh, that the was, and Curtin brought to the screenplay? That was in the book and, uh, and well addressed in the screenplay. And um, it, the, the thing of this was the beauty of this piece was it was such a relationship film that um, how could anybody not read it? and jump on it and say, this is a picture I want to make, because all we make, the ability to do pictures today and, and predicate them on relationships is so rare. And uh, mm. and even back then, it was tough, really tough to get that picture made. I went to everybody and got turned down by everybody. Did you get offered just a bunch of blockbusters afterwards, after Superman? It was just, oh, here's this giant block, but here's this special effects behemoth? Yeah, yeah, they came at me. Uh, I was like the fruit of the month. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but I had felt that I had done it. We had accomplished something that that was really tough to do, and uh, and we made that picture, Tom Mankiewicz and I, uh, and we rewrote it and just built it on relationships and the fact that it was an, an unrequited love story, and um, if we can convey the love story and 
convince an audience a man could fly, we thought we had a movie. After that became, uh, computers came in and destroyed the whole thing for me. Hmm. Well, that's that's funny you mentioned computers because that was something I wanted to ask about. And then and you you mentioned Tom Mankiewicz and you guys talk about this on the commentary track for Superman is that you always like to have some shot in your movie where it's sort of like, boy, how'd they do that? And of course, there's the famous rooftop scene in Superman. Now, there's a much smaller scale version here, but I, I couldn't help but laugh. The scene where they're playing basketball with right. the, the professional, and uh, he has that line about, you have to win by two. And then Harold Sylvester just sinks the three-pointer without even a hesitation. Like, And it's all in one shot. I mean, David Moore says the line, and then Harold Sylvester just goes thunk, and there it goes. How many? Do you remember how many takes it took? Did he get that on the first shot? No, got it on. We got it on the first shot. <laughs> oh wow, he was amazing too. He's a wonderful actor, great athlete. I, I don't know whether he was a amateur basketball player before, or was just such a good actor that he got into that role and probably on the side went out and mastered it till he could do something like that on the first shot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. <laughs> uh, it, when you were thinking, when I was, you were talking about how the the movie, it's about relationships, and and when I first watched it, and I kind of got that just from what I'd read about it before I watched it, but then there's this, and it is, and it's, it's fantastic, but there's this just breathtaking sequence at the beginning with it's it's horrifying, but it's so well done where Rory attempts his suicide, and I was just, I mean. You still brought. I mean, it, it, I, I admits I immediately flashed to Will. They know what you know. Obviously, Mr. Donner knows what he's doing because he, you know, here, here's a character falling. I couldn't help but think of 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 Superman. I mean, did of course I'm sure Superman. Uh, the action sequences helped you block this, and of course the Omen. There's that famous scene uh, with a character falling in that too. It's like this this theme keeps coming up, but it was it was so well done, and I was just. Wow, so I'm assuming that this was kind of old hat to you by, by this point for the scene in Inside Moves, right? I hate heights. Okay. <laughs> crazy fucking reason it always comes up in the film where I, uh, <laughs> I, I got heights. I mean, it's um, when when I shot that jump, um, the, the uh, crew knew how uptight I was about doing those shots, especially the jump the stunt guy did, a great stunt man. I can't think of him. Um, when he jumps out the window, I, um, they had a they had put a, an extra camera in and it was just photographing me, and I didn't. <laughs> and it ended up. Uh, I, I was so embarrassed with what I saw. I mean, it was like I yelled action and ducked my head and couldn't watch. So I, I, I I'm it's a lethal weapon. One we have this opening scene of a girl jumping out of a building. And, oh right, uh, right, right, right. And I turned him, I said, what am I doing? How am I getting all these? I just, no, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It is a really startling sequence is the way the camera turns on its side and he falls. I mean, and then you don't pull away from him hitting the top of that car. I mean, oh, it's no. just brutal. It was all off of the, the person in the car when he hits that windshield. Oh. It was, it was great. And of course, the scene... The scene, the scene where he goes off in the ambulance is where you have your Hitchcockian like cameo. I noticed. <laughs> yeah, I have those. I have those. Yeah, I was an out-of-work actor, and I love getting in. <laughs> did you have a um, uh, like a growing up, or when you were like slightly older, did you have a place like Max's? I mean, it's and it's. 
I, I don't want to make too much of this because, you know, there's maybe some connections that aren't really there, but it's like you think about, like, famous bars in fiction, and there's, like, the bar in The Iceman Cometh, which is super grim and dark. Right. And then you have, then you have Cheers, which went on TV just a year or two after this movie, and, like, this is kind of a, you know, more towards Cheers than The Iceman Cometh, but it's definitely kind of that middle step of, like, okay, this, this might be kind of a rough place to be in because these people are kind of down and out a little, but they're still very warm. Did you, was that something that sort of like, was something from your life that you no, had or wanted no, to have? No, it was well written. And they were down and out, but they were positive and very affirmative. Right. And, and um, that, that place eat um, strength and, and potential happiness and togetherness and relationships. And no, that was well written in the original screenplay in the book of this bar. And um, that that bar again had a personality of its own for me. It um, you 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 came into that place and it was familial. It was you belonged there. And um, the bartender turned out to be my cousin, Steve Kane, the actor. Right, of course. Uh-huh. In all your movies. Uh huh. If I can get them. And uh, <laughs> and it it had such a great flavor. You know that it was built in a uh, garage at the Silver Lake district of L.A. And when we opened it, I can't tell you how many people came in off the street <laughs> to have a drink. It's just so warm and, and great. And uh, no, it, it, I got to credit the writer who I believe there was a bar in, in, was it San Francisco or Richmond that this book was, that the screenplay was written from. And uh, I, it had the ambiance and the flavor um, and he was able to write it, and the production do- designer was able to really capture it. Oh, it's incredibly lived in. Totally, it's a home. They're waiting uh, out. They're waiting outside in the morning for it to open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could have had a whole side career as a bartender or something if you had ever decided to give up the movie directing thing. Uh, are you telling me I should give it up? No. <laughs> Not at all. Not, that not was at all. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, something else we were talking about, you know, people wanting to come to the bar. I can't help but notice the final shot of the movie is you and the crew. Uh, and that's something, you know, I've seen in other, your other movies. Scrooged, of course, ends with a shot of the, you know, all the crew and all the cast and stuff. Is that when you're, I, I've read a few things about some actors, that some actors um, don't even care that much about the movie they're in. They care about their part. You know, like, this part's interesting to me. This will be interesting for me to play. Or, this sounds interesting. I want to work with this director and this cast. And the movie itself, I don't even really care what the finished product is. Obviously, that's not the case when you're the director. You have to care about that. But it's like, do you go into it? Did you go into it with just as much of, like, this looks like a good experience? Maybe not necessarily a fun one, but this looks like a rewarding experience, the making of, completely separate from what the final product might be? Oh, that's interesting. Um, yes, you, you, you think about... When you get out of your car and you're at the set in the morning, um, this movie became um, much like those people that stood outside the bar, the actors waiting to come in. It was I got that feeling. I couldn't wait to get started shooting that day. It was everything felt wonderful. Everything it was painful at times, extraordinarily so, but it was also full of life and happiness and. Um, all kinds of projections. Yes, I, I I don't think about that when I make a movie, but um, you do experience that. I, I if you're not, there's something wrong. If you're not, if this isn't such a wonderful part of your life at that moment, um, 
you better sit down and figure out why, because it's going to affect the film. And um, it's always been a big part of my life, my career. My life, you get a... life is my career. Is your life <laughs> career? No, my career, yes. <laughs> did they, uh, Did you get a sense that the, 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 the cast enjoyed their time together? I mean, these were a lot of kind of supporting guys that didn't really get to be leads in movies all that much. You get Burt Remsen and how, I mean, these guys got a lot of big scenes together and good dialogue to chew on. Did they have a good time? I can't answer for them, but it sure as hell felt like everybody <laughs> loved their character, what they were doing, how they were developing it being on the set, the camaraderie that was built with the other actors and the crew. Uh, the, 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 yes, there was a lot of passion, I think, from everybody, because most of the parts were, were quite unique. And uh, for an actor to play them, for a cinematographer to light the emotional um, moments in a, in a it, this picture seemed to render all those desires uh, possible. And everybody, um, I, I had a Great feeling from everybody on that film. Everybody. I was really haunted by the the final scene. We haven't really talked about it very much. Amy Wright as Anne, um, where because she disappears from the movie for a while, and then when she comes back, we see that she's still sort of strung out and and is probably never going to get out of that life. And there's this beautiful shot of when uh, Rory watches her walk away after she hits him up for money one last time when they're about to get on the bus. Right. And it's all these, like, blue... Like, we just see her silhouette as she walks down the street, and it's, it's you know, the, the, the shot itself is so beautiful, but it's so heartbreaking because you know that all these people are going to go off to probably something communal and fun and rewarding, and she's just... Like, for as positive as this movie is, it doesn't sugarcoat that, you know, she's not going to get any better. I think, at least. That's how I took it, is that she's, she has the chance to kind of be in a better situation, but she can't bring herself to do it. And that, that shot, I thought, was, was just beautiful. Well, that, you, you're summing up the movie, as far as I was concerned. The screenplay ended with Amy Wright saying, uh, what do I think of Jerry? I think he's going to limp around that stupid bar for the rest of his life, and da-da-da-da-da. And she holds up the $20, and he's in. And I'm a whore. And she shows me, and that 20 bucks, and she's, and you're a sucker. And she walks away. And that's the way the screenplay ended. And I had a great problem with it. And I couldn't talk the writers at the time into, I wanted hope. It was a picture, great picture of hope for me. And uh, I wanted hope. So I wrote that last scene where uh, they go into the um, stadium and Rory trips the heavy and, and <laughs> end on a positive, affirmative, happy note and that's the way i like my pictures and i like I like people if you want to be depressed you can turn on the news it's free i always say <laughs> yeah. uh, but if you go into a movie and you want to come out of something like this i wanted to come out feeling very affirmative very positive and um, so i wrote that little scene and that's the way the movie ended some people within the company objected to it or something but it was my right to do it and i did it wow yeah, I mean, I, I could sort of see that because I, I, again, as I was watching this movie, I was watching it for the first time a bunch of years ago, and then I rewatched it again on when I rented it on iTunes, or, or purchased it, excuse me, on iTunes. Uh, <laughs> is uh, you got some money out of that? Uh, is there again? I may be making connections that aren't necessarily there, but I can't help it when I watch a filmmaker's movies as they as they go from film to film because it's like I, you know, Superman is all about these amazing, unbelievable things that one person can do. And then Inside Moves is about, you know, at least to me, like how limited some people are, at least on the surface. 
and how they overcome that. I mean, it's like these are people that, that can't walk across the room uh, without a lot of assistance, something, you know, the rest of us take for granted. And you're coming off a movie about a guy that can, you know, move glaciers around. And I can't help but see those connections in your films, even if necessarily they weren't there when you were, when you were talking about it. But the fact that you talk about writing that ending... You know, I'm like, well, that's there. It is. That's that's the Richard Donner stamp. Is your impression on that material? It's it's my stamp. Um, it may have uh, affected my career in some way. I don't know. I don't really care. I just love to come out of a movie feeling positive and uh, affirmative and good, and that um, I'm not going home depressed and and down and out. And uh, uh, I I look for that material. And um, or I create that material, and that's 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 showbiz, folks. By me, that's me. That's why I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that ending because it it does, it, you know, it, it tells us that you know because if it ended the other way, you kind of would have wondered, well, is she going to come back into Jerry's life and blow all this up for him, and you know, because she's obviously done it before, so. I, I, that that was a that that was a great way to end it for me because I'm with you. I like I like to walk out of the theater happy, you know. So I, I you, you get my our vote of <laughs> approval there on that. Not that you need it, but no, <laughs> but uh, so I appreciate that because that's that as I say that's my mission. That's my mission. <laughs> I remember reading a review uh, many years later. Roger Ebert did a, one of your movies, and he talked about some of his. Some of his, and he mentioned Inside Moves as one of his favorite Richard Donner movies. I mean, and Rich, yeah, he, he was, did like that. He um, he did tell me that. Oh, good. Yeah, I would. Roger Ebert was a. Uh, he understood a lot of stuff I did. I liked him very much. He did doctor yeah. a couple of times, but that's uh, <laughs> that's when he was off. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, you come out of a movie. Why not feel good? Life's good, and life's very positive and very affirmative. And that end of the movie was just hope for all of them. Um, I, I always thought about when they went home after the game to their little, obviously, closet-type apartments and whatever it's like that. I hope they had such a good time in that game. When he yells Rory and he yells Jerry, <laughs> my God, my heart went a mile a minute. <laughs> is that is that why it's your favorite of all your movies? When I when I first contacted Amy, she got back to me and said, "Oh, it's 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 Dick's favorite movie of all of his films." Is that why is it's your favorite? Why it's because it's it it's surrounded with love and hope, and it ends on such a wonderfully high note. And it's it's my favorite movie because I just feel we're in such and this has been for a long time for me. But when we when our world starts to close in and gets very depressing and and uh, the wrong people doing the wrong things and life can be terrible. I saw a lot of my friends go down the wrong road. Uh, a movie like this, uh, for me, is nothing more than hope, and that's I, I love hope. So uh, it affected me emotionally for many, many years. How did it finally get to come to DVD? Like, who, who did somebody, did you spearhead that? Or was it was somebody else who oh, decided to finally get this it, out? There was a, oh, shit, I wish I could remember. There was a wonderful lady at, um, God, was it Fox who was distributing her print, who called me one day and said, you know, this has never gone to DVD, and I love it. Um, will you support me in, in getting this done? I said, oh, my God, I'll do anything you want. And um, and I feel so remiss because she deserves all the credit. That's uh, fantastic. That's yeah, great. Yeah, mm. a fan and a, and a person in a position that could do it. 
Where do you, uh, where do you live? Uh, I'm in New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. yeah. We're in Jersey. <laughs> and I'm in Kentucky. So. That's your own fault. <laughs> uh, uh, we're going through, um, that's why I'm sneezing here. We're going through. Um, what? Uh, no, I've got it right here. Right here. We're going through uh, allergy time here. Oh, right, 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 of course. I never had a fucking allergy in my life until <laughs> this year, and oh my God. It's... What's your language? It's on. What's wrong with that? <laughs> We'll put up a warning before the show starts that there's some salty language in this. It's in this it's fine. It's fine. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry. Oh no no it's fine. Um, one other thing I did want to well there's a couple of things I wanted to mention to you. Uh, well, Chris, do you have anything else about the movie before before I mention a couple other things that are kind of tangentially related to Inside Moves? Uh, no, I think I, I think we've I've covered everything that I had in mind. All right, great. Yeah, because what what uh, Chris and I are going to be doing? I mean, what Superman movie minute? was was that we were examining the movie five minutes at a time um and so we completed the film not too long ago and so we decided well we wanted to talk about the other projects of the creative people and we're going to get to death trap at some point because that's such an amazing movie that christopher reeve is in and so that you know inside moves was is part of that like we want to talk about the other projects that you all uh moved on to and um Something uh, related to that that I wanted to mention is, of course, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, or just last week, um, you know, we lost Margot Kidder, oh. and that was, you know, obviously, you know, we express our deepest condolences to you and to everybody in the Superman family. She, you know, she is my Lois Lane. She's Chris's Lois Lane. But there was a quote I wanted to share with you, if you don't mind, oh. because, of course, after she passed, there was a lot of interviews that they dug up in the AV Club found an interview with her where she did a career, uh, you know, like a, uh, they went through her whole career and asked her about this movie, that movie, that movie. And of course, as you well know, you know, she wasn't shy about speaking her mind. <laughs> oh no, that's what I loved about her. In interviews. And, and in this interview with the AV Club, she really torches a lot of the movies that she was in. But then when we get to Superman uh, and they ask her about working with you, this is her quote. She says, it was truly... It's a cliche to say we were a family, but we really were, especially those of us from the States who were over in England all that time and away from home. It was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I love Dick Donner with my heart and soul, and I always will. And I just, I, I teared up when I read that because, I mean, she was not somebody that was always, you know, the most political, and yet here she is, like, full-throated saying that about you. I saw that it was such a beautiful quote. Oh, I, I never heard that. I appreciate it. I really do. I loved her. She was a very special woman, a very special person, yeah. and had a lot of handicaps to overcome. Right, right. I... Much like Max's bar. If it was real, she'd be hanging out there. <laughs> I love when she showed up in Maverick, and she popped up in that. I was so delighted. I was like, oh, there's Karen now, and there's Margaret Kidder. That was just fantastic. So... <laughs> Um, the reason I even just had said Karen Allen on the brain is that I actually uh, saw Karen Allen a couple of weeks ago at a show, and I mentioned to her that I was going to be talking to Richard Donner in a couple of weeks, and she lit up, you know, with that smile that she has. Oh, she and, and she said, oh, God, he's so wonderful. Tell him I said hello. And I was just delighted that I was going to get to transmit a message from one of my favorite people to another one of my favorite people. Uh, it was just uh, unbelievable. <laughs> Those are two women... That I love dearly, and I don't mention them in front of my wife because she'd kill me, but I do. <laughs> they, they are both two very special people and, and obviously brilliant in their 
abilities to act and bring things to life. Karen, her smile in the mornings and every day would light up the world. Margot, I same wonderful passion for her work for everybody around her. That's funny. Those are two very special women that I, uh, and you've mentioned them both. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, they're just fantastic. So, and then uh, the last thing I wanted to mention for you is that the very first movie that I can remember seeing in my life was when I was five years old Uh and my, my parents could not get a babysitter. So they took me to a drive-in to see the omen. Oh my God. You were five years old. I was five years old. I sat in the back and I looked out over the seat as I was terrified. I remember that little kid on the scooter knocking Lee Remick off the table. It still haunts me to this day. But my parents were, were really good parents besides that, uh, you know, minor indiscretion. <laughs> did you have any but nightmares? I did. That movie scared the hell out of me for many years. It's little demon children are just terrifying to me. And I love the commentary you did with Stuart Baird. I love all your co- – I mean, I have said on the Superman Movie Minute show – that the commentary track you did with Tom Ankowitz is one of my favorite pieces of entertainment, period. Like, in any form. I could listen to... I've listened to you two talk over that movie as much as I've seen the movie at this point. Wow, it's, I gotta it's hear so it. entertaining. Listen, I'm not, I don't think I ever heard it. Oh, it's just... You guys are just... I wish I could have been in the room just to hear that. It would have been so amazing, so... It's great. Um, it's, it's one of the yeah. best. That's that's the best commentary track I've ever listened to. Oh, it's just <laughs> fantastic. When, when you when you argue with Tom Mankiewicz that he didn't understand the only the movie that he wrote, and you were arguing with him about how he didn't even understand Superman, and you were going to reshoot the whole thing, I laugh at that every time you say it. It's just, it's just so fantastic. So, um, well, I, so, I have to I have to cut in and say that. I can't top Rob seeing the Omen at five, but I saw Superman <laughs> at four. So I mean, it's, it's Gee, little... you guys. <laughs> uh, you know, Tom Hanks and 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 uh, Margot were a thing. They were just a wonderful couple, and it was definitely unrequited love because their their lives went off in such different relationships and different places. But they were a wonderful couple. And when he would write, and because we, I'd be around when he'd write. But when he would write for Margot, he became this this impossible character, Clark Kent, who was in love with a woman that um, he would never have, but yet his other character, who he couldn't portray, she was in love with him. So it was this Jules and Jim relationship, much like Tom in reality and Margot. It was uh, They were just totally wonderful together. He's a loss, too. He's a great loss. Oh, yeah. so amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, uh, well, like I said I think that that's going to do it. We don't want to take up any more of your time, uh, Chris. Is there anything else we want to we want to ask while we have this opportunity to <laughs> talk to Richard Donner? Do we want to? Is there anything else we want to do? I just want to say thank you for all the fantastic films. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure. It's nice to be appreciated. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm, yeah, this is um, Mr. Donner. Or I'm sorry, Dick. Excuse me. Uh, this was a real, real honor for. I don't want to speak for Chris. I, but it I know was. I do. It was. <laughs> what? This was an amazing honor. I have loved your movies ever since. Again, since I first saw The Omen, and so uh, I've been trying to track down all your other movies. I saw Salt and Pepper the other day. Uh, so <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gotten to Lola yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. Um, so this was, this was just amazing. And all thanks to Amy for helping facilitate this. This was just tremendous. And again, it was just, it's, this is one of my life's great moments. So thank you so much, sir. We really appreciate it. 
You may be seeing Lethal Weapon, the final five. All right, we'll be there. Wow. Thanks, guys. Now listen to me. I tell you, boys and girls, whichever one of you gets it out of is going to wind up with the single most important interview since God talked to Moses. Chris, um, we got to talk to Richard Donner. And he was just as cool and as friendly as you expected him to be. It was, he was fantastic. He, I mean, how, how great and, and just fantastic was it for him to take his time to talk to us? It was, it was, yeah. <laughs> un- unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain here. Uh, we had a couple of, of uh, opportunities to talk to Mr. Donner, and for one reason or another, things kept falling through, and Chris and I kept kind of like moving heaven and earth to, to, to get to do this because this was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It was just, yeah, he was everything you would want him to be. So funny, so charming. He put me totally at ease when I Skyped into him first and I said, hello, Mr. Donner. And he goes, oh, no, my name, that's somebody else. Call me Dick. I'm like, I can't. I don't, uh. <laughs> uh, you know, um, it really is. Uh, I talked about this on the Karen Allen episode I did of FW Presents where it's like there's a short list of people that I would drop everything to go and see. And Richard Donner is uh, pretty high up on that list. And so it was just an amazing opportunity to get to talk to him about one of his favorite movies. In fact, his favorite movie of all time, of, of his own, Inside Moves. It was really an amazing, amazing experience. And I'm, we're just so fortunate. Um, before I forget, I, we need to thank a couple of people that helped orchestrate this. First of all, uh, Richard's, uh, Richard Dix, excuse me, uh, assistant Amy Roy, who was our contact person, plus uh, Michael Urie and Glenn Greenberg, who helped uh, put this together and uh, get a hold of the right people. We thank them all very much for this. It was just an amazing opportunity. Um, this was just, I got, I'm, I'm babbling now because uh, I, I just can't, I can't believe we got to do it. Chris, do you have anything more coherent to say? I, I really don't. Uh, thanks to everyone. Thanks to Amy. Thanks to, to Michael. Thanks to Glenn. Uh, thanks to Dick uh, for taking the time to, and he told us to call him Dick, so we can, uh, to uh, not to call him Mr. Donner, like you said, uh, for taking the time to talk to us. And uh, thank you, Rob, because uh, uh, this was, uh, you know, Rob uh, said, you know, I, I understand uh, Inside Moves is Richard Donner's favorite movie. You know, maybe he'd like to talk to us about it. And I, that was a great a way to go, a great way to talk to him, because I think he, like you said, he's talked about Superman so much over the years. I'm sure he was glad to talk about uh, another movie he did, not to mention his favorite movie. So that's all on Rob. That was Rob coming to me with that. And it was a great idea, and it, it worked out beautifully, man. Great job. Well, thank you. Yeah, when I pitched it to you, I'm like, well, this isn't going to happen. So <laughs> this, is, this is super easy to pitch. You know, hey, Chris, you want to talk to Richard Donner if we can? Yeah, sure. You know, and then two minutes later, I get the email back. Oh, that's Dick's favorite movie of his own. He'd love to talk to you. What? <laughs> what? what you, wait, what? So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, obviously... Um, the show is Superman Movie Minute, but we, Chris and I, as we mentioned uh, in the interview with Dick, um, we intend to do other episodes where we talk about some of the other projects that the cast did. And this was something that I, I had this notion of, like, you know, he's been talking about Superman for 40 years. Nobody ever asks him about Inside Moves. And I think it's a great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you just saw it in fairly recently, and you really loved right. it. I love it. Yeah, it's right. a fantastic movie. And then, Go see it. If you haven't seen Inside Moves... Uh, Amazon, you can rent it from Amazon Prime. I know you can get it from iTunes. Mm-hmm. I can't recommend you go watch this movie enough. I and, and when you watch it, come back and tell us what you thought of it. 
I, I, it's, it's a fantastic film. If, if Richard Donner calling it his favorite movie isn't advertisement enough, I don't know what is because you're Seriously. listening to Superman movie minute. Uh, but you obviously like Richard Donner. You wouldn't be playing, listening to Superman movie minute, but go out and watch it. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I put it on a couple of weeks ago to rewatch it and, and Tracy had never seen it. And at the end of it, she just said, that was a great movie. You know, she just said it was simple. Like, yeah, it works on everybody. It's just terrific. And it was just such an honor to talk to one of my favorite filmmakers. I mean, again, we're, we're just sort of babbling now. So Chris and I are going are gonna to hop off now and we're going to just dine out on the fact that we got to talk to, to Richard Donner. Yeah. And uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. And, and we do need to also sort of thank uh, Alex uh, Robinson and Pete the Retailer for starting Superman, excuse me, Star Wars Movie Minute, Star Wars Minute, because that led to us doing Superman Movie Minute, and that led to this. And this yeah. is one of the great all-time experiences of my life that I got to tell Richard Donner uh, how much – uh, I love his work. It's just, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll just simply, I'll simply never forget it. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for all the support you've given to the show. Uh, we will be doing more special episodes. We're probably not going to top this one. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, we're going to be back with some other special episodes. And, of course, we will return at some point uh, for Superman 2. But in the meantime, like I said, uh, let us know what you thought of, of this episode. Uh, we know what the – Chris, you and I, we, we both know what we thought about it. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we, we can't wait to for everybody to, to hear this. So uh, I guess that's going to do it for now. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we will see you later. Bye. Bye is safe again, Superman, thanks to you. No, sir. Don't thank me, Warden. We're all part of the same team. Night. Night.